the Imposter Syndrome Files. I am so grateful that you're here, and I really hope that you've been enjoying the conversations that you've been listening to, and hopefully finding some tips, some next steps that you can take if you struggle with similar feelings of self-doubt, which obviously, as you're hearing, are fairly universal. This is something that we all go through from time to time. When I started this podcast, my goal was really to try to normalize the experience, to let everybody know that you are not alone, that there's a name for what you're feeling, and that there are steps that we can be taking to manage it more effectively. What I have found over the course of these conversations has been fascinating. I have had an absolutely powerful and different conversation with every single person who I have interviewed. I worried at one point that there may not be enough to talk about. How much is there to say about imposter syndrome? Are the stories gonna start to get repetitive? That has absolutely not been the case. Everyone brings a fascinating new perspective to this conversation. I have learned something from every discussion that we've had. I hope you have too. I wanna make a note that many of these recordings are being done during the social distancing that's happening with coronavirus. I am doing my best to protect the sound quality, but we are all in homes that have pets, kids, all kinds of background noise going on. For me, it's much more important to share with you a very natural conversation between two people than it is to share a perfectly polished recording. So I hope that you will bear with us if there are moments where the sound is not perfect. Uh, Really, my goal is to share stories, not to provide perfectly scripted, perfectly polished audio. So apologies for any imperfections that may be coming through in the recordings, but I'm hoping that you're getting the essence of the message regardless. So thank you again for being here. I wish you all the best and hope that you will consider sharing your own story one day. Thanks again. Kara, I am so, so excited for you to be here today. I would love to start by just learning a little bit more about you, or at least giving you an opportunity to share with the audience, because you and I go pretty far back. I know a little bit about you already, but I'd love for you to share a little bit about yourself with the listeners. Hi, Kim. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I appreciate any time you ask me to do one of these things, so thank you. (laughs) Um, So I... um, I run a marketing team for a tech company. I've been at my current company for about um, five years and I've always been in tech uh, since I graduated from college and love it in the fast pace and it's taking on a a life of its own right now. Um, I'm a working mom of three as well. So I spend a lot of my days thinking about how to have it all and how to find that perfect balance. Mm, the age-old challenge that we all face as <laughs> women and moms. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so tell me a little bit about what imposter syndrome means to you and how, if at all, it has shown up for you. Yeah. Um, so I think that it's something that I, I live with daily. Um, to me, imposter syndrome is doubting yourself, um, the belief that you got to where you are based on luck and not 
having enough uh, pride and ownership of your skills, your talent, or your hard work, and those being the things that got you to where you are and, and, and that are going to get you to where you're going. Um, I'd say the way that it shows up for me is, I said my day to day, but you know, I'm at this point, even in my career right now, where I'm trying to get to the next level. And, and you have moments for me where I think, oh, I can't do this. Or, oh, somebody else is a better fit for this. Or, oh no, I'm going to be put in the role and then I'm going to be exposed and they're going to know that I'm not as smart as they think I am. And I think those are those are, they kind of rear its head at different points in your career and based on different situations that you may be going through. You know, it may be for me, if I'm presenting on something, I'm afraid they're going to ask me a question that I can't answer. Or um, if I'm up for a promotion or getting more responsibility, that I'm not going to get it because I don't deserve it. Yeah, uh, you just summed it up perfectly. I think those are exactly the feelings that I associate with imposter syndrome too. And one of the reasons why I started this podcast is because I wanted to normalize this experience and show people that everybody, well, virtually everybody feels this way at one point or another, even people that we don't know or expect are feeling this way. And one of the reasons why I was really excited to talk to you is because I've known you for gosh 15 years now right and and you are somebody that I see as a really confident person so I know you probably remember this when I reached out to even ask you about being here is I wasn't even sure this was something that you could relate to so I'm so happy that you're willing to have this conversation because I think at a general level, there are so many people that are feeling like everyone else around them has it all figured out and I must be the only one. And for the most part, even those people who seem really confident and who seem like they have it all together are still feeling this way under the surface. Yep. So those are, that's really interesting. And I do remember you putting that in your um, outreach. And it's funny because I'm, I'm like replaying the my response when I got your email in my head and I was like, obviously I struggle with this. Like it's so obvious to me because these are literally, like I I said from the beginning, these are things I think about all the time and it it is. And I, I just happened to, I just got more responsibility in my role. And I was having one of those moments where I was like, wait, do I deserve this? Can I do this? you know, what if, what if I, they give it to me and I don't know how to do it. And you, your, your timing was impeccable because those were all the thoughts that were going through my head. Like, what if they give me this new group and I fail? And I think there's probably a different conversation and a different podcast you could put together around failure and all the things that come from that. But, um, I, I do think I'm a confident person, but it's, and I feed off of a challenge and relationships and, and learning. I have this thirst to always be learning something new. Also, I think that's why I love tech so much because there's always something new. Um, but I think even the most successful people struggle with it. Like I'm a goal setter and I, I set goals and then I find a way to go achieve them. And I know very successful people in my life that I still can sometimes see behind the, I don't want to say facade because I don't think it's fake, but um, you know, when you have more intimate conversations with them, you can see that even the most confident and successful people still struggle with this feeling of what if I'm not enough or what if I can't do it? Or, you know, it was just fate that got me here. It wasn't actually all the reasons that really got you there. Um, And I want to thank you for trying to normalize it, Kim, because 
um, I'm a big person when it comes to validation and conversations like this, I think are really important. So people know that they're, that they're not alone. Well, thank you for saying that. And I think, you know, what you're making me think about too, is we, we have an opportunity to reach a point where we just accept that this is part of being human, right? I mean, there is a percentage of the population that will never feel this way, but for the most part, those of us who are high achievers, goal-oriented, always wanting a new challenge are going to bump up against this at some point or another. Absolutely. Because, because it's stepping out of your comfort zone, right? I mean, whenever there's something new, it comes with uncertainty, it comes with self-doubt. And so instead of beating up ourselves up over it, acknowledging it for what it is, and then focusing on, okay, well, what do I do with it, right? Because the thing that's really interesting about imposter syndrome, and I think you're a perfect example of this, is you may be feeling that way, but it's not slowing you down, right? You're still actively moving ahead, setting new goals for yourself. How are you doing that? How are you continuing to push through the self-doubts that we're talking about? Yeah, and I think um, what you just said is literally hitting the nail on the head. I think that there is a really high correlation between feeling this imposter syndrome and being outside of your comfort zone. And I truly believe that you're not growing unless you feel nervous and uncomfortable and are pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone. And if you think about it, when you're, when you've got something nailed and you're like, I've got this experience, I have a proven track record here, you, you're comfortable there. And those are the things that you know. And if you really want to grow, you have to push yourself outside of those things that you know, and that you've proven to yourself. And so I think the two of them go hand in hand. And I find because I literally was just having this conversation myself, I'm trying to lean into that feeling. So um, I love Brene Brown and Mm. I was just, I've listened to her podcast and her YouTube or her Ted talk around vulnerability. And I'm not going to lie. I was like, I don't understand this. Like, what does this mean? And like, how do you break it down to really be vulnerable and understand where something is coming from? So then you can build yourself back up. And most recently for me, that's what I tried to do is like, okay, why am I feeling this way? Why do I feel like I can't do this? Like, why would this other person be better at the job than I would be? And I tried to lean into it and dissect it a little bit and not in a way that is like, you know, analysis paralysis, but in a way that I was truly trying to understand what is this feeling that I'm feeling and why am I feeling it? And, you know, one of the things for me is I don't, I I like to have the answer for everything, which is, not good. Um, but I've also had the realization through some of this dissecting around, you're never going to have the answer for everything. Like I'm never going to know everything. And it's the higher up I go in my career, it's making sure that I have a team that knows things and that I'm communicating properly with my team. And those are the areas where I feel like I'm going to be exposed and they're going to know that I'm an imposter and it's just not real. And so for me, I find the more that I lean into it and try to break it down and figure out, okay, what are the resources at my fingertips and what, what would happen if I play this out in my head and where I think that I might be exposed? You said so many important things there. <laughs> I think, first of all, the, the ability to have the self-awareness to even recognize that the thoughts are coming is such an important step, right? Because I think so often we just accept at face value whatever we tell ourselves and we don't even give ourselves the opportunity to examine it and ask, is this a realistic assessment of myself? Where is this coming from? What can I do with it, right? So I think just being very intentional about listening to yourself, listening to your thoughts and finding a way to 
look at them a little bit differently is a really important part of this. And then to your point about wanting to know everything, I think that's definitely something that I have observed far more in women than in men. And I, I can't put my finger on why I, I often tie it to the inner student that so many of us carry with us. I think we mm-hmm. just have this very academic, uh, academically oriented approach to our careers and we measure our value in how much we know. Yep. And it's so hard, like you said, to ever anticipate every question you'll be asked, every bit of information you're expected to have. Whereas if instead we focus on our resourcefulness, right, our, our yeah, natural yeah. intelligence and ability to handle ourselves in uncomfortable situations and recognizing that the bar we have for ourselves is so much higher than the one that others have for us, that if we don't have the answer it's not career suicide, right? It's what do we, how do we then follow up and figure that out? And we just don't give ourselves enough credit for those skills. Yeah. And if you flip that around too, like you look like an idiot if you're the one who always has to have the answer. Like if you have an answer for everything and you're the one always raising your hand and always chiming in and if it's always you and you're not, you know, especially the higher up you go in your career, you're not leveraging your team and you're not reaching out to those subject matter experts, then it also becomes a weakness that you have that you that you have to solve for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point too. And I think that's part of the transition process as we go from individual contributor to manager to senior leader, right? Is like you have to let go of the subject matter expertise or that pressure to be able to know every little bit about what's going on and shift into a more strategic mindset. Yeah. And the other thing that you mentioned that I want to go back to for a minute is your thoughts. Like you, this is all in your head, right? And so part of, I think what has been helpful for me to get myself out of this mindset is it's amazing what we can manufacture in our own minds. And, and when I talk about dissecting it, part of that is actually thinking about what's behind it. And for me, it's also writing it down because I think once you get it outside of your head, you, you start to realize, oh, this is silly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's actually very similar to a conversation I was recently having where we were talking about how getting it out of your head and putting it into a more objective space allows you to see the absurdity of what we tell ourselves, right? <laughs> yeah, objective and even actionable. Like if you truly believe that you have a weakness or there's a reason why you don't deserve something and deserve is probably too strong of a word. Even the fact that you're writing it down and then you're, again, this is coming from somebody who's goal oriented. Like you're building a plan around, okay, I think that I have a weakness here. Let's go solve for that weakness. But there's a, that's a very different conversation than just the one that you're having in your head around the self doubt and the imposter syndrome. I also think there's another angle to it where and this is something that I just came up against recently where sometimes it's just you in your head and, you know, am I going for a job or am I working on a project that I don't think I can do? But there's also what is manufactured around you. And I just had a situation where it was like me versus someone else. And to me, that's a different lens on imposter syndrome where you're like, I'm not as good as this other person. And I think that's another place where you also need to break it down and and figure out like, what is the difference between me and this other person? Because no two people are created equal. No two people have the same experience, but it doesn't mean one is necessarily better than the other. Yes. And I also think that we are so 
wired, I don't really know where it comes from, but our tendency is to compare ourselves to other people along an imbalanced set of criteria, right? So it's like, I'm looking at what I admire in that other person and thinking I'm not good enough at that, but I'm not then flipping it around and saying, but that person doesn't have these other things that I have, right? I'm not looking at it fully and looking at the ways in which we complement each other. It's more at this person's so great and I'm less than, whereas in actuality, there are probably things that that person admires in you that you're not taking credit for or acknowledging exist. Right. Yeah, that's exactly it. You're not thinking, here's the places where I think I have a strength. It's, hey, this other person is, is, must be better than me. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, it's only natural that if our tendency is to focus on the negative, that that's the lens through which we're going to see everything. Right. So, um, so just being more proactive about giving ourselves credit and recognizing, you know what, I, there's a reason why I'm in the room. There's a reason why I'm here today. This is not a fluke, right? Um, I'm not clever enough to deceive everybody around me. And and I think you're hitting on another really important point that I I do this with my team and it's amazing because we're so heads down all the time driving towards achieving results. And it's very rarely that we pick our head up and take the time to reflect back on what we've accomplished. And I think it's important for a team as well as individuals. And um, once you do that, you kind of have more often than not, I find um, you have one of those like, wow, I actually did way more than I even thought I did. And again, I think that's another reason why you had to slow down and, and, you know, if writing it down is the only way that you can visually see it, then do that. Because I don't think we probably give ourselves enough credit for what we have accomplished. That's another really good point because I've been thinking about that a lot too in the context of teams is that there's just so much and, you know, you mentioned tech, right? There's, it's changing so fast. This, the pace is incredible And so the tendency is to be focused on what's next, right? And we don't have the kinds of rituals in place that I think allow us to have closure on the prior project or to celebrate the wins along the way. We don't, we don't put in place the kind of structures that allow us to, to really embrace the fact that we've done a good job. I mean, obviously there are external metrics associated with that, but I don't think we do a good enough job psychologically at really owning the fact that, wow, that was a really good job. It was hard for us and we were able to come through it both at a team level and an individual level. So I think you're right. So to the individual, what can we personally do to capture that? Writing is, I think the most powerful way to do it because it doesn't stick in our heads. We just, we don't process it the same way and then we can't go back to it and look at it later. And then- And I think we also have a, this ability to manipulate the facts in our heads where I always, it's, it's like people who are on a diet, like you're like, wow, I'm eating really healthy. And then once you actually write down what you're eating, you have that moment where you're like, actually, I didn't do so good this week. <laughs> <laughs> it's just an honest lens on, on what is actually happening versus what you're manipulating in your mind. That's a really good way to think about it because it does keep us honest in in a more positive way, right? Like it, it prevents us from being able to beat ourselves up and tell ourselves a story that's not true. Right. Yeah. And I love what you were saying too about if you truly believe that there's something missing, then you take action on that. And that has been something that I have really come to terms with 
the older I get because I have a high level of anxiety. And so for me, often these experiences with imposter syndrome or any kind of self-doubt also come with a lot of this nervous energy and this anxiety Mm -hmm. that if I don't find a way to productively channel, I can just get stuck there. And so that's what I often recommend to people is if you truly feel like there's a gap in your skill set, your ability to be effective at what you're doing, then figure out how to fill that gap, right? Go take a class, shadow somebody, do, you know, do something to get that information. But if it's just, just this generalized sense of I'm not good enough, there's nothing we can do with that that's going to allow us to feel like we're making progress or get out of that mindset. Yeah. And to me, it's almost like a multi-step process where, and this is why I think it's so great you're trying to normalize this conversation. Cause I, I think there are still a lot of people out there that don't even understand what it is they're feeling and why they're feeling it. So the recognition that there is this thing called imposter syndrome, some people are going to have that aha moment, like, yeah, that's actually exactly how I feel. And then from there, dissecting it to say, why do I feel this way? Do I feel this way because I'm being pushed outside of my comfort zone? Do I feel this way because I truly believe that I'm missing, you know, a skill set and need to go, you know, build my experience in one place or the other? And those are not bad conversations. Then it's then it's a more honest conversation with yourself where you have actionable things that you can go do. Is it I'm outside of my comfort zone? That's awesome because that's how you grow as a professional and as a person. Is it that I truly have done the work and realize I'm missing a key um, competency that would make me good at this job, that's still probably okay. But acknowledging where you have weaknesses puts you that much more at an advantage because you know what you're capable and what you're not. But I think there's probably a few different levels of awareness as it relates to imposter syndrome. Yeah, exactly. And once you have that awareness, like we've been talking about, you can do something about it. And I think part of the experience of anxiety of all that we're talking about is this lack of control, right? It's this sense that all of the power is outside of us. Like people are going to figure this out. Somebody's going to, somebody's going to realize I don't belong here. And then I'm going to be removed from my position or I'm going to be shamefully humiliated. And all of those feelings stem from this lack of control. Like there's this sense that we don't, we can't do anything right now. And so anything we can do to translate that into something that, okay, now I have a plan right now I can do something is going to naturally improve our confidence. Even if we, even if it takes us a while to get to the place where we have filled those gaps or we are genuinely more comfortable in our roles. Yeah. And and it's, it's interesting because it's not as much as imposter syndrome is a thing. It's also not like you know, in my case, my boss is not going to be the one to say, I think you deserve this promotion. And I know you don't think that you deserve it, but here's why we're going to give it to you anyway. (laughs) It's not other people that are going to solve it for you. It's you, it's the affirmations and the attitude that you have. And so it may be, you know, for me, I've spent some time just to be really candid telling myself, I can do this. Here's why I can do this and talking myself through it. And I shifted my attitude from, I'm not worthy to, I'm going to do this and I'm going to knock it out of the park and I'm going to prove all these people wrong, who, by the way, probably weren't doubting me anyway. Um, (laughs) But there's something about attitudes and affirmation that are really important for how you overcome it because it's not like someone's going to pick you up off the sidewalk and say, you know, dust off your knee, get back up and get in the game again. Um, Mm. It's got to come from within. 
You're so right. And one of the things I'm wondering about now, as you're saying that is because you have a team, you know, you've got a a lot of people working with you right now. You have a lot of self-awareness. And I think this is obviously something that you have been figuring out how to manage as you've gone along. And if we can assume that a pretty significant chunk of people around us are struggling with this too, and they're on their own, they're at their own place in their own journey, right? So they may not be as self-aware, they may not be as effective in managing it. What responsibility, and that might not be the best word, but like what opportunity exists for managers to recognize that this is likely happening in individuals on their teams and to do a little bit more of that proactive dusting you know, the employee off, right? I mean, not that, not that it shouldn't come from them, but I all, I often wonder if, if more managers knew this was going on and were sensitive to the fact that their high potential talent may be holding back, not because they're not capable, because they don't trust themselves. Is there a way to, is there a way to cultivate them more effectively? Yeah. So I, um, I'm a believer in it's the little things in life. And I also, you could ask my team to grade me on this, but I, I try to be a communicator and not just on a business level, but like on a personal level as well. And in that same vein of it's the little things in life, I do believe that it's just having those conversations, whether it's in a one-on-one or after a project to acknowledge the work that someone's doing or to acknowledge, um, Hey, that was really hard. You handled it well. Like it doesn't always have to be this huge project is done and everyone's celebrating. It could be those little things in between. It could be, Hey, I know that was a really difficult conversation. I thought you got through it really well. Um, like those positive reinforcers. I think those are the things if you are going to have a manager who's tuned in and trying to break through it, it doesn't necessarily have to be this serious conversation about, I think you're suffering from imposter syndrome. (laughs) It may just be, what are the things that you're doing as a manager to acknowledge the hard work and, and the maybe difficult conversations or the reality of somebody's work environment um, or the, you know, how much they're putting into their job or whatever the situation may be. I think I'm also a really big person when it comes to validation and a little bit of validation goes a really long way for me. Like someone just acknowledging that was a really tough meeting. They don't even have to say you did a great job. Just validating what was going on in my head gives me enough to power me through to the next one. And so I think it's little things like that, that, that can make a difference without over analyzing what imposter syndrome is, which I think there's a time and a place for that as well. So, you know, cause I, like I said before, I think there's some people that don't actually know it's a thing mm-hmm. and then there may be some that know it's a thing, but they don't know how it impacts them or how they could get around it. And so there may be things as managers or as peers or even as like friends or spouses that you can do to help somebody just kind of see where they're at. And it's really interesting that um, you brought this up because just in light of everything that's going on in, in the world right now, <laughs> I have a coworker and I think the world of her and she's a vice president and I can tell you she suffers with the same thing. And I can tell just from a few meetings we've had that she does not view herself the same way that everybody else views her. And I saw that and I used it as an opportunity to outreach and say, and it was through Slack. I just, I sent her a note and I just said, I think that you're amazing. You're a leader. I would work for you any day. And I just, I paid her compliments and let her know what a good job I thought she was doing. And 
that is not me calling out. I think you have imposter syndrome, but it was just a simple thing that I did. And it literally changed the tone. It gave her positive reinforcement where I don't even think she realized that she needed it. And so I just, I realized what an impact it had. And I sent a note out to my entire team and and said, it's come to my attention that not everybody has the same perception of themselves that we have of them. So before you end out your week, everybody do me a favor and reach out to one person on the team and let them know how much you appreciate them or what a good job you think that they're doing. And then trying to practice what I preach. I did it across my entire team and my extended team. It made me feel so good. And I've never had such positive responses. And it it was just such a simple little thing to do. Granted, it was a little bit time consuming, but worth every second of my time. And it, it went so far. And, and so I think it's little things like that, that also can make a difference in how somebody views themselves, which all of this leads into this, you know, imposter syndrome. I absolutely love that. I think that there's so much that we don't see in other people, right? And, and obviously in business settings, there's a lot of focus on business metrics and, you know, productivity and things like that. We don't realize the effect that imposter syndrome has on the overall quality of people's lives, productivity, how they show up, right? And yeah. and while we probably never will, because it's not something you can really measure, and, it, and like you said, you, you know, there's a bit of an invasive quality of like not going around to people and saying, I think you're struggling. <laughs> but, but, like, but the reality is it's the people that are not struggling with imposter syndrome that you want to have that conversation. Yes, exactly. Exactly. You're overly confident. <laughs> I love what you're saying about really taking the time to be the change you want to see, right? Because when you do that, it does change how people feel about themselves and other people. And it allows other people to have conversations that they may not have felt safe having or that they may not have felt were just appropriate workplace kinds of conversations. And the more that we can show up for ourselves and for each other, the safer we will all feel and the less we will have these kinds of doubts. So I love what you say about the little things. I really do think the little things are the big things. Yep. I agree. It's such a, that's such a powerful way to create change. Yeah. I mean, I would do it again. It's something that I've told a few people now and I had people reply and say, you know, I had a really tough week. This is the best part of it. Like really powerful messages back. So highly recommend it. Oh, I love that. And I could talk to you all day. I know we don't have a lot of time left. So I want to just ask you a couple of closing questions, which are what motivated you to want to tell your story today? And what are you hoping people will take away from it? So I appreciate anytime somebody asks me to do something like this and hope that, you know, if I just can help one person that makes a difference. Cause at some point in my career, even now I was that one person. Um, for me, validation goes a long way and it's, it's nice to know that you're not alone. So I'm really passionate about helping people in their careers and am so thankful for the people, including you, Kim, <laughs> who have taken time out of their careers and their days to, to help me wherever I was on my journey. And so I'm always looking to pay it forward. Thank you so much. This has been amazing. And I am so excited that you and I are still connected so many years later and that we're <laughs> having this conversation today.
Yes, I am too. And that is definitely all you and your ability to network and maintain relationships. So I have you to thank, Kim. Thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and share it with other women who can benefit from this conversation. Before we go, I want to share some additional resources with you. If you struggle with this, with imposter syndrome and you want to manage it more effectively, I invite you to join my free imposter syndrome online challenge. Every day for seven days, you'll get an email with self-reflection questions and exercises to help you better understand your own experience with imposter syndrome and how to navigate it more effectively. To join the free challenge, visit executivecareersuccess.com slash imposter dash syndrome dash challenge. When you sign up, you'll immediately receive your first message. Also, if you're interested in joining a community of women who engage in candid conversations that generally aren't happening elsewhere, I invite you to join my leading women discussion group. On the first and third Thursday of every month at 12 p.m. Eastern, we meet virtually over Zoom to talk about questions or challenges related to career management, leadership development, and any other relevant topics such as imposter syndrome and confidence. It's always a great discussion with a great group of women. If you want to check it out, you're welcome to be my guest on a future call. Just reach out to me at kim at executivecareersuccess.com and I will share the call details with you. And if you want to join my newsletter to receive tips, insights, and updates, text leading women all one word, to 66866. Finally, consider telling us your story. Contact me to learn more about how you can be a guest on the Imposter Syndrome Files. Thanks again, and have a wonderful day.